Thank you. 
Let's just sing, bring peace. And peace, bring it over peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break. At your name and still, call the seas to still. The raging meat is still everywhere. I your name in Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, and Jesus, darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, and breathe, hold these bones to live, and hold these lungs to see once again, I will pray. Jesus, Jesus, you make 
Father, that uh, in him is salvation, in him is healing and deliverance and hope forevermore. Father, we're so grateful today that you are our Father, the Father of all those who choose to believe. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And thank you, worship team. So we get going here. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Kimberly Weems, she's been a part of us for so long, but has moved away, and here you are. It's good to see you. Uh, I want to thank all the visitors today for coming. Yeah, let's give them a hand. We're glad you're here today. Uh, if you have any questions after the service about the church, what goes on, and what we believe, my husband is a pastor, will be up here afterwards, and there's several deacons and elders and men around that can also uh, talk to you and uh, answer most of the questions you may have. We're glad you're here today, and I uh, pray it'll be a time of blessing for you. We'll take up our offering in just a few minutes, but first we're going to do a couple of things. I want to remind everybody that next week is baptism. Oh, I love baptism, I know. Somebody said yay. <laughs> I love a baptism, but I was reading about last night, you know, um, Baptism is such an outward sign. When we receive the Lord and are saved, that's an inward, personal thing we're doing. But when we're baptized, it's a public expression of what we believe. And that's what baptism is all about. And last night I was reading, you know, North Korea has been in the news quite a bit lately for different reasons. But in North Korea, if you were found with a Bible, you could spend up to 15 years in prison. And their prison is not an easy prison. I mean, none of them are, but theirs are times 10. But if you are found uh, participating in a baptism, the uh, penalty is death. 
you could be executed for that. So even other countries that aren't uh, Christian countries understand the power of baptism. Baptism is really a sign that once you enter the waters, there's no going back. You're committed, you're all in, sold out, whatever term you want to use. But the heart of the believer should be, once you're baptized, that's it. It's a real outward sign to the world that uh, you're in for good. Amen? So as we get ready for that, I just encourage you, if you're thinking about it, if you're saved, never been baptized, it's a great time to do it. All the time is a great time. Hey, and the other thing I read about, and I think our friend Jason Judah Smith is the one that taught me this. We love this teacher. Um, that at the baptism of Jesus is the only time in the Bible it's recorded where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were together in one place. Isn't that an amazing thing? There's other times where Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit showed up, or God showed up. God spoke to Jesus, to the disciples. I mean, when the disciples were there. But for the three of them to show up together at one time was at a baptism. So that's a powerful, powerful uh, statement in the Bible. So I want to encourage you again, just if you haven't, and just to come and uh, watch by, and participate by watching and uh, encouraging and being a part of it next Sunday. I think we'll do that right at the end of the service as kind of part of the service. Uh, today, just we're not going to have uh, video announcements today, so read your bulletin. We've got everything in there, the baptism, a Father's Day flyer. I want you to read all that. Um, today is Father's Day. Come on. Yeah. Happy Father's Day to the men that are fathers. Hey, being a father isn't easy. I do think that. I've never been one, but I do notice that as a woman, I can do it in a mother. My kids just love me regardless. As a father, they expect a little more out of you. <laughs> Somehow as women, we get that unconditional love for our parents, I mean from our children, no matter how bad we mess up. But they really do want to see their fathers uh, step up and be an example. They want to hear encouragement. We can tell our kids, our sons, how good they are at baseball or football all day long. They want to hear their dad say it. Isn't that right? Fathers have so much power. And I just hope you realize that just a word of encouragement can change your child's life, can spur them on to great things. A negative word can take that all away from them. So you hold so much. You know, when we look at our fathers, when we think about God as an example of them, it's a high call the men have. I don't envy you at all. Sometimes I think it's hard to be a woman, and I wish guys could do it for about a week. But, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But really, being a father is a tough call. I love in the Bible uh, where it talks about, as we know God, we call him Abba, which is a more intimate term like daddy. And it's hard to think about calling God daddy. But when I, when I was in Israel, one day we were sitting outside close to the pool, and a little girl, little bitty girl, about three years old, got out of the pool, and she started running around yelling, Abba, Abba, Abba. And she found her father and wanted him to fix something on her swimsuit or something. But it made it so real that here's this little girl, and that's what she calls her daddy, running to him for help to fix something and calling out Abba all the way there. So we should be that way. We should have that relationship where we feel that close that, we can call God Daddy, Abba, and run to him with things we need so he can fix them. Amen? It's a great opportunity and a door that the Lord gives us. So we're going to watch. We have a video for the men and the women. It's cute for everybody. You guys ready back there? 
Let's go ahead and show that. That's not the beginning. Well, I'm not even sure what that is. <laughs> no, no, guys. <laughs> Grace is going to go back. It starts with the slide of the man and the little boy walking. I'm sorry, church. We had this all set up perfect a little bit ago. <laughs> Okay. All right, we're going to do another one first. Go ahead. Life is always fair. I really enjoy repeating myself over and over again. I just love when the kids talk back to me. I don't care if you get a job this summer. I don't care if you get detention. Uh, I, I can't open this jar. See if mom can open it. Just take your time in there, okay? No means... Maybe. Hey, why don't you bring that ball inside and play with it? Hey, don't put that back where you found it. Just leave it on the floor. Ew, bacon. If you put a dent in the car, it's really no big deal. It's 10 a.m. Go back to bed. Look, whatever your friends are doing, just do the exact same thing. I got more than enough sleep last night. If your friends are okay with it, then I'm okay with it. Stop signs are just a suggestion. You don't need a chaperone. You don't need a seatbelt. You don't need a savings account. You should buy the jeans with the holes in them. Hey. We're all gonna go to church, but you can just sleep in, okay? Can we please just hang out in here for another 10 minutes? Hey, can we get some more bickering back there? All right, bills! Yay, traffic! Woohoo, taxes! Yes! Laundry! Hey, can you kids come in here and jump on my bed? Quick, go tell mom what happened right away! You don't need to finish your dinner. Hey, look at your phone when I'm talking to you. I wish I had a smaller TV. We got you that phone for a reason. Texting boys. All right, everyone, listen up. Mom and I are going out of town this weekend, so please, mess up the whole house while we're gone. Please throw a few parties while we're gone. Please forget about the dog entirely while we're gone. Hey, when you're finished pouring that, can you just leave it out on the counter all day? Thanks. Hey, what are you doing? I'm gonna bungee jump out of this tree. That's a really good idea. Pretty good, huh? Things fathers never say. <laughs> we love our dads. Uh, well, why don't we do this? They're at, actually downloading another video that we're going to watch. But in the meantime, why don't we have all the fathers stand up? Come on. There's got to be more than four or five. <laughs> all the fathers. And also, if you're a grandparent or an uncle or someone that's standing in as a father for children, we want you to stand up too. We know that's a stepfather taking care of uh, children as your own. Amen. Look at all you guys. We're going to have, uh, oh, the guys are passing out a little gift for you. We'll get that done and we're going to pray for you. Make sure everybody's up and ready. While they're doing that, let's see, if you haven't got anything, uh, the little gift they're passing out, could you raise your hand? Got some, got the guys back on the bleachers? I don't know who's got the, the, James, maybe back on the bleachers when you're done. 
middle section. Just keep your hands up so the guys will get around to you. Here we are, Andy. and Just a small gift, but our way of saying we know, you know you're out there. You're trying. It's not always easy, but it's always rewarding. Amen? Amen. Let's just remain standing for a minute. We're going to pray for you. Are we good? If you didn't get something, you can raise your hand. Our guys will get to you. Father, we are so grateful for the earthly fathers you've given us. So many that, uh, that, are, not, that are represented here by us but have gone on to be with you. Father, we're grateful for the way that you have just set up life and family, for the strength that you give the men, for the uh, oversight that you give them, for the power and anointing you give them, for what you call them to do. Father, we thank you that you give them strength to stand when it's not easy to stand, and you give them compassion to speak hope and encouragement when the children are losing hope. Father, we thank you. You give them wisdom in all things to guide and direct their children and their families. We thank you, Father, for the men in this room that you have called them each by name with a purpose. And for those, Father, that maybe uh, feel that they've been lacking or failed, we just speak uh, freedom from that thought, Lord. We know, Father, that uh, you know our weaknesses and each one uh, standing has done all that they can do. We thank you, Father, that you will place words and actions in them that will uh, guide the children that they're over. Father, I pray for the stepfathers who have such a difficult time sometimes reaching the children in their, in their lives. We thank you for them, Father, the ones that are saved, that can be a light and can give direction and hope to the children that you've given them, Lord. We know your plans are perfect, your ways are perfect. You are perfect, Father, and you have given us a great example. In Jesus' name, amen. So thankful for you guys. Um, okay, here's our other video we want to show you. Because 
I like him and he's cool. I love my dad because he loves, respects, and cares for me. Dad because he works hard and helps provide for my family. Go. Oh. <laughs> Where did you learn that? Hello. This would be Leonard Estes teaching the children to dance. Good job. Not over. Hey dad, happy Father's Day. Thank you for everything you've done for me um, and being there for me through every big or little moment of my life. Um, even though you're stayed away, I know I can still depend on you for everything. Love you, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, dad. Your role in my life is priceless, but I'd repay you a million times if I could. Thank you for being everything I've ever needed and more. I love you. One, two. Happy Father's Day. Hey Dad, happy Father's Day. I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate the hard work that you put into our family and you put in to provide for us and how awesome of a grandpa you are to Isabella. We love you and appreciate you so much. Hey Dad, just want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Thank you for all that you have done and continue to do for me and my family. Uh, thank you for all the memories you've given me and I look forward to many more. Happy Father's Day. Love you. Hey Dad, Happy Father's Day. Thank you for being such an inspiration and for giving me your keen sense of style. Love you. Happy Father's Day to all of you dads. I just wanted to say thank you to my dad, Steve White, for teaching me to love and live life to the fullest every day. You seriously are the coolest and I'm just so, so blessed. I love you so much and I miss you. Hey dad, I love you so much. Happy Father's Day, and I love you. Hey Pop, just want to say that I love you. Happy Father's Day, and uh, just want to say thanks for being such a great role model in my life and in our family's life. And uh, it seems like I say the same things every year, but uh, that's just the case, is that you're a constant uh, man of God in our lives, day in and day out. And I uh, just want to say thank you for that, and I love you. Happy Father's Day. Hi, Pop. Just wanted to say Happy Father's Day to the nicest guy in the world. Love you. Happy Father's Day, Dad. I just wanted to thank you for the selfless love that you show me and the whole family, Dad, every single day. The way you just drop what you're doing to come help any of us in need with whatever it is without complaint. And your uncanny ability to make us laugh with your jokes at what sometimes feels like the most inappropriate times. And yet you still make us smile, you still make us laugh. That's very special to us, Dad. We appreciate you. We love you. God bless you. And I hope you have a great Father's Day. Think I'm, oh, here I am. Totally worth waiting for, right? That was, in case you don't know, some of our, or all of our own uh, children, young and old, wishing their dads a happy Father's Day. Wish we could have got everybody. We didn't know how to get a hold of all the children that live out of town, but it's great to see your children give you a word. Amen. 
Let's take up our offering now. Wow. <laughs> We're going to pray first. Sometimes when we have new people, I forget to say that. Father, we are so grateful that it's by your hand we receive everything in our life, whether it's healing, prosperity, uh, relationships, everything we have that is good comes from you. Father, we're so grateful that you are a loving, a giving God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. That was good. That was good. All right. Well, I want to wish you all a happy Father's Day. All you fathers out there, that was a blessing. Thank you guys for putting that together for us all. As Nina mentioned, we got baptism next week, and I um, want to encourage you, if you've not been baptized or if you were baptized as a child and didn't really know what you were doing, you know, you can get baptized again. Uh, that'll be available. And if you want to just see me, I'll just uh, I'll be up here right after the end of the service. If you want to, if you're going to get baptized, why don't you come up and we'll spend just a couple of minutes. I want to pray with you, and I would like to just kind of give you some instruction on the baptism itself. So um, we're going to be in mostly in the Gospel of John today. I'll be jumping around just a little bit, but um, I begin to think about you know this. Uh, just this scripture and just kind of life in general. A lot of the songs that uh, I remember growing up, um, secular songs. But there always seemed to be a theme in some of these songs. Let me just kind of, you know, uh, read some of the lyrics here and, um, and we'll come back and talk about it. This is from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. It says, uh, and it's gone right to my head everywhere I roam over land or sea or foam. You can always hear me sing this song, show me the way to go home. And then, uh, you guys remember this by uh, Steve Winwood and Eric Clapton, group called Blind Faith. Someone holds the key when I'm near the end and I ain't, just ain't got the time. I'm wasted and I can't find my way home. Or you might remember this um, who can I believe in 
I'm kneeling on the floor. There has to be a force. Who do I phone? The stars are out and shining, but all I really want to know, oh, won't you show me the way? I want you to show me the way. That's Peter Frampton. You know, just it seemed like the world that we live in, and many of us have come from that place where we just, you know, just seem lost. And some of you are here today. You know, some of you are here by, by choice, and some of you are here because someone made you come or, or really was on you about coming, and you're, you know, don't really know about church, don't really know about Jesus, but maybe you're having those same kind of feelings today that you don't really know. There's just, you know, so many different directions, so many different religions. You know, is this one really the right one? Is this one the truth? And uh, so we're going to be looking at John's gospel. Jesus said in, uh, in John chapter 14, he said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father except by me or except through me. And then at the end, I'm just going to kind of back into this. I'm going to start in John chapter 20. I'm going to start at the end and end at the beginning in John chapters 1 and 2. But in John chapter 20, as John is completing the book, he's writing the book, and we've got, I mean, just an incredible book. And, you know, if you, you don't really know a whole lot about the Bible, the book of John, the gospel of John, is really a good place to start. But after all of the signs and wonders that Jesus did, um, and you've got some, you know, some incredible things. And, in, in, uh, you know, Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke are called the synoptic gospels. They all kind of have pretty much the same theme. But John's gospel really kind of focuses on mainly the life of Jesus. And you have the seven I am's in the gospel of John. And, uh, uh, but at the end, John just kind of sums it all up with this phrase right here. He says, that Jesus performed many signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written. What John, what he's saying is, the things that I've written, these, uh, these signs and these wonders and these miracles that I've recorded in my book, he says, that you may believe, he said, I've written these that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that, my, that by believing you might have life in his name. And John's saying, he said, I recorded all these things, all these, all these you know, miracles, the healings, raising Lazarus from the dead, we'll talk about in just a moment, um, the woman at the well, you know, all of the testimony, the water into wine, all of these things, John said, I recorded all of these things, all of these signs and wonders. He says, I recorded these that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. And so uh, you may, maybe you've never noticed this before, but either, you know, all through, not just in John's gospel, but throughout, you know, all of the gospels, you'll see a claim either that Jesus makes about himself or someone makes about him a claim of, about his deity, about him being the Messiah, him being the Son of God, and then it's followed up the proof of that, that claim, is followed up with a miracle. I'm going to give you a couple of examples, and you'll catch on. So um, in, in uh, John chapter 11, uh, this is the story of, of Lazarus, and I'm just going to read some of this. It says that Martha, this is, uh, 
Jesus and the disciples had been out of town. They'd been away, and Lazarus became sick. It was Mary and Martha and Lazarus that Jesus was good friends with, and he would, from time to time, stay with them. He would spend the night with them, have meals at their house. But he was out of town when Lazarus became sick, and he actually died. And, um, and so we're going to pick up that Jesus has come back to the home of Mary and Martha. Uh, Lazarus is dead, and he's been buried. And Martha says to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. At the end of the age, at the end of the world, there's going to be a resurrection. That Old Testament believers, they believed in that. New Testament believers believe that as well. That there's going to be a resurrection. John chapter 5 talks about that resurrection. It says there's a resurrection of the just and the unjust. And in that resurrection, it says that all of us will stand before, the believers will stand before uh, the throne of Christ, and we will give an account of our lives. Unbelievers will stand before, it's called the great white throne judgment, but there will be a resurrection to either to uh, life or to death. You will be raised again. That in the beginning, the Bible tells us that God created Adam and Eve to live forever, and they will. You and I, we will live forever. You will live forever. The question is, where will you live forever? You're going to either live forever with God in heaven and in this beautiful place where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. And those that reject God and reject this message, the Bible says that they will be resurrected and they will be given a new body, but they will live forever apart from God in what the Bible calls this place as hell. And uh, the Bible says that God sends no man to hell, that men and women choose to go to hell when they reject God's Son. He says that, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And then that scripture goes on to say that that God did not send his his Son into the world to condemn the the world, but the, the world through his Son, by putting their faith in his Son, might be saved. And he goes on to say that this is the condemnation, that God has sent his son into the world and that those that rejected him have been condemned because they did not believe in God's only son. And so Mary and Martha are saying here, Martha is saying, you know, I know that my brother will live. He will live uh, at the resurrection in the last days. And Jesus said, here's that claim. Here's that, that claim about deity. Now, remember we said that he makes a claim or someone makes a claim about him and then it's followed through with a miracle. And then Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. That What he's saying is that he, he didn't just come to give life. He's saying that I am life. I am the resurrection and I am life. And apart from me, you cannot live. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Here's the one that, you know, claiming. And then here's one of those I am. This is the fifth of the I am statement. And you'll remember that in the Old Testament in Exodus when uh, Moses is standing before uh, God at the burning bush and he's saying, who should I say sent me? What's your name? He's at, Moses is saying, you know, God said, go back and tell the, you know, Pharaoh, go back and tell the ch- children of Israel, um, you know, that I'm going to deliver them. And Moses says, well, you know, who can I tell them? What is your name? And he says, tell them that I am, I am, I am that I am. And so here we pick this same theme up. He says it seven times, and they knew 
what he was talking about. He didn't just say, you know, like an introduction, I am Jesus of Nazareth or, you know, whatever your name might be as your, an introduction. The I am had that I am God emphasis on it. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one that believes in me, even though uh, he dies, that whosoever lives by uh, believing in me will never die. And he asked uh, Mary and Martha this. He says, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replies. I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe, here's that statement again, that claim. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. So here's the, here's the claim that, you know, not only Jesus makes about himself, but Mary and Martha are also making that claim. And then we see the, the miracle that follows in verses 43 and 44. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Here's the miracle, demonstrating that he is who he said he was. He's proving through his miracles that he says that I am who I say I am, and here's the demonstration. Lazarus come out, the dead man comes out, his feet, hands and feet are wrapped with the strips of linen, the burial or the grave clothes, and the cloth around his, uh, his face, and Jesus says, loose him and let him go. There's another point in, in John's gospel where Jesus is, you know, preaching and talking about who he is, and there are those that rejected him and just really couldn't, they couldn't get their mind around, you know, he didn't fit what they had in their mind and their heart about who the Messiah really would be, what he would look like and what he would do. They were looking for a liberator from, you know, a, a political liberator, or someone that would uh, liberate them from the oppression of Rome, and he didn't quite fit the description. But Jesus went on to say, in this earnest desire to get men and women to believe in him, he says, I know that you don't believe in me because I'm saying who I, who I am, he said, I know that you don't believe in me because of that. But he said, look, just take a look. Take a look. If you don't believe in me because of who I say I am, believe in me because of this miraculous work that you're seeing me do. Believe in me because of the works is what he's saying. Anyway, to get these men and women to believe in him. And so, um, then just kind of on the heels of this statement about him being the resurrection and the life and what that means for you and I, he says that in 1 John um, chapter 5, it says that if we have faith, if you and I have faith in God's Son, and we believe what God has said, but if we don't believe what God has said about His Son, it's the same as calling God a liar. And Jesus, or Nina had mentioned earlier about at the baptism, how the voice of the Father, you know, the Father was there, the Son was there, the Spirit was there, but God said in a number of occasions, this is my son. This is what God says about his son. This is my son. I want you to hear him. Listen to what he says. And you'll remember there was another occasion where it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, it says that Jesus went up to the mountain. And Peter and James and John, I believe, were with them. But it says that in the Transfiguration that Peter and uh, James and John saw Jesus and they saw Moses and they saw Elijah and uh, Peter, you know, in his boldness said, let us build three booths. Let's, let's build three places here for, you know, for you and for Moses and Elijah. And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah disappeared, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son. Hear this. Listen, church. He said, this is my son. Hear him. This is my son. Listen to him. Listen 
to him. Listen to what he has to say about life. Listen to what he says about death. Listen to what he says about living, how to live your life as fathers, as husbands. Listen to him is what he's saying. And he goes on to say here that God is also, uh, God has said that he has given us eternal life and this life comes to us from his son. And so if we have God's son, we have this life. But if we don't have the son, we don't have this life. Let me just give you another example. I'm going to move through these quickly. In John chapter 4, the woman at the well. And so Jesus is telling the woman at the well, she's, he's saying, I've, I, you know, I'm the one, I've, I'm, I've got this living water. If you knew who I was, if you knew how, who I was, you would ask me for a drink of water, and I would give you a drink of living water so that you wouldn't have to come to the well over and over again, that, you know, I would sat, satisfy, and he was talking about this spiritual thirst. He said, I would spat, satisfy your spiritual thirst if you would just come to me. And then, you know, Jesus tells her about her entire life. You know, he says that, you know, uh, I, I know all about you. He, she, he says that I know that you've had five husbands and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. Notice that he didn't contem- condemn her for that. And then she said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And uh, then she goes on to say that I know that when the Messiah, which is just the translation of that, is that, the, the son of God or the anointed one, the one that the children of Israel were waiting for. She says, I know that when the Messiah who's called the Christ is coming, when he comes, that he will, he will speak everything to us and he's going to make everything clear to us. And then Jesus makes his claim. Here comes the claim. He says, I, the one that is speaking to you, am he. I am the Messiah. Is what he was saying. And so she goes back to the village of Samaria. It says that she leaves her water jar and she goes back to the town and she said, come see a man that told me everything about my life. Couldn't, isn't this the Messiah? Couldn't this be the Messiah? So she makes, he makes the claim, I am the Messiah. I'm the one that, the one that's speaking to you is the Messiah. And then she goes back and uh, the whole town comes out. It says that many of the Samaritan people uh, were believers. And so you have the claim that he's the Messiah. The entire town of uh, the village of Samaria comes to be believing. Then again, we see another example of this. He says that uh, you'll remember that uh, there was a, a man that was paralyzed and his friends brought him to Jesus and let him down through the roof. And, uh, and they're letting them down through the roof. And uh, it says that Jesus sitting there And he says to the man that's coming down through the roof, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And those that are sitting around saying, who can forgive sins but God alone? So here's the claim. They're claiming that only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus says, you know, they're they're, they're saying this man is blaspheming in his heart. You know, he's blaspheming with these thoughts and his words saying, son, your sins are forgiven. And they're saying, you can't do that. That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And so there's the claim. And then Jesus says, you know, why do you think these things in your heart? Why are you thinking these thoughts in your heart? He says, but that you would know that you unbelievers, that you un- that's what he's talking to, these people that were there, you unbelievers would know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin. And remember, they just said that only God can forgive sins. They were right about that. 
Only God can forgive sins. But he said, that you may know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. I say to the paralyzed man, get up and walk. And boom, you know, the guy gets up and walks away. And everyone is just like astonished. They're amazed. And then they begin to worship and they begin to praise God and saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Surely God is with us. Remember that in the Christmas story, the word or the name, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And they're witnessing these things and they're saying, surely God has come to visit his people. He is there with his people. Amen? All right. We're tracking? All right. We're tracking. All right, so guys, I want to just tell you that, you know, that God's calling, and he's calling you to a higher place. He's calling you to salvation, number one, but he's also calling you to a higher place. And, you know, that sometimes we get stuck, and, you know, the Bible says that today, if you will not harden your heart as they did in the day of provocation, if you will not harden your heart and you will hear his voice, he said, that today can be the day of salvation for you. But, you know, he's, there's a warning that goes with that. You know, on the, on the Niagara River, in, uh, uh, in, in the, just right before the falls, there's a place called the Point of No Redemption. And that simply means that if you get in that current and, and, and you reach this place, it means that, that they cannot send help for you. They cannot send a rescue boat. They cannot send, you know, someone on an inner tube. The current is so strong, it's beyond the point of you being saved. And so the Bible warns us of not going there spiritually. Don't get to that place. If you harden your heart and, and you just say no to God and, and, and you continue to re reject not only just God, but his words and his instruction, you know, you may get to the place where there is no return for you. And so today is a day of salvation. Don't harden your heart. You know, just yield your heart and come back. Come back to Jesus. And so I want to wrap this up by, you know, one more illustration. And uh, this is, I started in John 20, but I want to go to John chapter 1. And John, you know, you have, sometimes it can be a little confusing uh, if you're a new believer. And there are a lot of new believers. And, you know, let me just, I just want to suggest to you, if you're, um, well, let me, just, let me just take a break here, okay? Let me, let me just say, if you're, if you're under 40 years old, would you just bear with me, please? If you're under 40 years old, would you just stand up? Please stand up. If you're under 40 years old, I need you to just stand up. All right, all right, all right, all right. Guys, I want you, and some, some of you older folks, older folks, I, I, you know, I wanted you to just kind of look around, and I want you to think about, thank you guys, go ahead, and let's give them a round of applause, you know, thank you guys for, for that. So, you guys that are 40 years old and, and older, I want you to think about, you know, where you were, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago in your life, and how you needed someone to come alongside you and help you in your Christian walk. Because this walk is difficult, and I'm going to tell you that today, it's more difficult today than it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago when you were a new believer. All right, and so uh, we're reading from the Gospel of John, but we're talking about a name, a man by the name of John who was not the writer of the Gospel of, God, of John. You have uh, 
Peter and James and John, and James and John were the sons of Zebedee. They were also called the sons of thunder in the Bible. Uh, and the book of John was written by John, the son of Zebedee, whose brother was James. But he is recording a statement by John the Baptist, another John, and that's who we're talking about right now. John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so remember what we said earlier, only God can forgive sins. And so John the Baptist is saying, look, here comes this spotless, sinless Lamb of God that's taking away the sins of the world. And he says, this is the one I meant when I said a man is coming after me who surpasses me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So John the Baptist is pointing out, he's making this claim, here comes the Son of God. And then we pick up, that, there's the claim, and then here comes the miracle. On the third day, of the wed a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. At that point, there was only five disciples. He hadn't picked, you know, the whole full 12 yet, uh, but he's got a handful. It says, and when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, uh, the woman, uh, verse 4, it says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Guys, that's the name of my, that's the title of my sermon this morning. Do whatever he tells you, okay? That was good for back then, 2,000 years ago. It's good today to do whatever he tells you, amen? Do whatever he tells you. And so, nearby, there stood six stone water pots or jars, the kind that uh, used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding about 20 to 30 gallons of, uh, of water. And so Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Okay, 30, 30 jars, 6 gallons, uh, or 30, excuse me, 30 gallons, uh, 6 jars, that's about 180 gallons of water or wine. I, you know, I've been to a lot of weddings before. I've never, I've never been to a wedding that had 180 gallons of wine. You know, I mean, and, and, and you know, the little wine bottles hold about a quarter of that. So that would be like, you know, that's a lot. My, my mind can't even mathematically figure that out. That's 600 and what, uh, 80? Is that right? Four times eight, 620. Yes, 620. 620, 620 bottles of wine. That's a serious wedding, isn't it? That's either a big wedding or people like wine. Okay, and so, so panic fills in. I mean, this is kind of an amazing story because, you know, Mary is concerned. And, you know, at, at weddings, and I, I told you I did the wedding a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, how from beginning to end it just seemed like one problem after another. But this wedding is kind of like that. They, uh, they ran out of wine, and that was an important thing to have at the wedding. And so Mary was concerned, and she's trying to get Jesus involved to, you know, to take, take care of the problem. You know, I think it just shows it's a little thing. We read this, and, I mean, we think about, you know, the gathering demoniac casting demons out of that guy, or we think about, 
you know, the leper that was healed of leprosy, or we think about even Lazarus, who we just read about being raised from the dead. Those are all important things. I mean, being raised from the dead is important. Being healed of leprosy, being healed from blindness is an important thing. If you're a lame guy, that's really important. But really, why does that really fit on the list of being important? But it's the first miracle that Jesus did. You know why he did it? Because it was important. It was important to them. And God is concerned about the little things in your life the little, very little things in your life that you think that, you know, God is so busy running the universe and, and you know, handling all the big problems of life, you know, in the constellations, in the stars, in the galaxy. He, he's so busy just managing the universe that he doesn't have time for your little problem. But I'm going to tell you that the little problems that you have, if it's important to you, I'm going to tell you that it's important to God. He's concerned about, the, he, he's concerned about the bills that you have to pay or the lack of money that you have, or your sickness, or your illness that you're going through right now, or your teenagers that are, you know, giving you fits at home. You know, he's con you're concerned about that? He's concerned about the same problems that you have. He's concerned about your problem, just like you're concerned about your problem. So we go on with the story. It says that he tells them, fill the, fill the jars with water, and he filled them, they filled them to the brim, and he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet, um, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wa to wine, and he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. Some of you have been there. We've all been there. But you have saved the best till now. What, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he would reveal his glory. First the claim, this is the Son of God that's going to take away the sins of the world. Here comes the sign. He revealed this first miracle here, the sign through which he revealed his glory. And then notice what happens. The, the five disciples that, ha, that were there, they believed in him. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. The claim, look, the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world, and then the turning of the, the water into wine. The Bible says that uh, in John chapter 14, 21, and I just want to focus on this for just a moment in wrapping this up. He says that whosoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is the one that loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. He who has my commandments, who, who has my word? Who's looking at my word, reading my word, and saying, you know, uh, uh, and you, you just fill in the blank about loving God and being obedient and being faithful in all that he's asked us to do. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one that loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will reveal myself to, to him. Now, if you need to know God, if you want to know him, Jesus is saying, if you want to know me in a greater way, then you keep my word. You be obedient to my word. And he says, some of your translation says, I will reveal myself to him, I will show myself to him, or I will manifest myself to him. He says to Mary, Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. 
The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, if you're faithful in little things, if you're faithful in being obedient in the little things, you will be faithful in the larger ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. And then in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, it says, And your ears will hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, God will be there directing your every step because you're obedient to Him. And, you know, getting used to the voice of the Holy Spirit, getting used to the voice of God, just listening to Him, and being faithful in the little thing. You know, how many of you have had this happen to you where you feel like God has put somebody on your heart or your mind, and you feel like you need to, you know, make a phone call. You need to call to encourage or write a letter or send a note. You know, God, that's the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You get up, you know, out of bed in the morning, you're thinking that same thought. You go to bed and you wake up in the middle of the night, you're thinking that same thought. God has put a thought in your mind. It's in your conscience. It's in your soul. It's in your spirit. It's just, you know, this, this, you're, you're just having this, this reoccurring thought that's over and over again. I heard someone tell the story about um, a guy that had gone to church and uh, he saw a lady in church and uh, the Lord had spoke to him, give her some money. And so he opened up his wallet and, uh, you know, looked inside. He only had a $5 bill. And, uh, uh, you know, he's just like, nah, I don't know her. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to embarrass me. You know, I don't want to, you know, it's just like I, if I had a lot of money, I could give it to her. And, uh, you know, so he decided not to do it. And then later on in the service, the Lord kind of points the same lady out again. And, you know, the Holy Spirit says, give her some money. And, you know, finally it got to be at the point at the end of the service, he decided that he would do it. He walks up to her and he says, you know, I, I've, I've been noticing you through the service and the Lord really put you on my heart. And uh, I just really wanted to give you this. And he puts the $5 bill in her hand. And she kind of breaks down and starts crying. And she said, you know, I woke up this morning and I only had enough gas money. I only had enough gas in my car to get to church. I didn't have enough uh, gas in my tank to get home. And she said, this will give me enough gas to get home. She said, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your obedience. That's the way that God works. That's the way that God wants to work in your life and in my life. The Bible says that you must never stop looking at the perfect law that sets you free. The law, keep being obedient to the word of God, sets you free. God will bless you in everything you do. Everything that you do, God, he will bless you in your home. He'll bless your marriage. He'll bless, your, bless you at, in your job. You know, he'll bless your relationships. He'll bless your finances. He'll bless your health. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, he talks about the obedience of God. He says, I'll bless you. If you work in the city, I'll bless you in the city. If you work in the country, if you're a farmer, I'll bless your farm. I'll bless your flocks. I'll bless your produce. God's saying, by your obedience, I'll bless everything that you set your heart and your mind to do. And he says here in James, again, look at it again. God will bless you in everything you do if you listen and obey, you listen, not just hear the word of God, but you're obedient to it, not, not just hear it and forget. And then he goes on to say that uh, in uh, Psalm chapter 32, he says, I will guide you along the best pathway of life, and I will advise you and watch over you. If you're obedient to God, God's saying that, you know, you have a plan, but God's saying, I've got a better plan for your life. I have a better plan for your life, and, you know, uh, it says the eye has not seen, ear has not understood, the heart has not conceived, the things that God has in store for those that love him. 
You can't, you have it, it's beyond your imagination. It's beyond your wildest dream, beyond your greatest thought. God has a better plan than your plan. All right, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up, okay? I, I said that three times now, but I really am this time. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, now listen to this, because, I mean, this is, this is the end of the message right here. He says that God, you know, and you talk, we think about obedience, and, you know, I know that in my life I've had that failure after failure after failure. I've tried and haven't succeeded, fallen flat on my face. The Bible says that a righteous man will fall down seven times. God will lift you up every time you fall. You just kind of keep getting back up. You know, you just bounce back. You know, you just kind of, you know, keep bouncing back. So it says that God is working in you, giving you, listen to this, giving you the desire, giving you the desire and the power, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you through his Holy Spirit, okay? And the Holy Spirit, this is, you know, just kind of a little sideline here. Um, In the Old Testament, one of the hardest words to translate in the Bible is spirit. Because sometimes we see it translated Holy Spirit, and sometimes you see it translated Holy Ghost. And, you know, I mean, if you grew up a kid like me, you know, just terrified of ghosts, ghosts sit around the campfire telling ghost stories, you know, then you go to bed and you can't sleep, you know, because you're terrified about ghosts. And I think sometimes we have that, you know, we come into the presence of God and think about the Holy Ghost, you know, that sounds a little weird and kind of, you know, strange. I don't know if I want that or not. But, but the Bible says in the, in the Old Testament in, uh, in Hebrew, uh, it's called, it's the, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is... The, it's translated the wind or the breath or the spirit. The wind, the breath, or the spirit. And I think it's pronounced rauk. And you got a little in there, you know. Uh, but uh, tr- translated in Hebrew. And then in the Greek translated, the same word, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is translated the breath, the wind, or the spirit. It's the Greek word is the pneuma, the wind of God, the, the, uh, the, the, the breath of God. You'll remember that after the resurrection that Jesus appeared before the disciples and he breathed on them and it says that they received the breath of God they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this important? It's important for you because God is saying that without the Holy Spirit, you and I don't really have power. And remember, we talked about this last week in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, Jesus told the disciples, he said, this is the, the 12 minus Ju- uh, Judah. He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the power Wait for the power from on high, which is the Holy Spirit, which you need. You need the Holy Spirit to live your life, to be an overcomer in life. You need the Holy Spirit to be a witness, to testify, to share your testimony, and to share the Word of God. Now, there's a place on the equator. You ever hear this word called it's, uh, the doldrums? Anybody hear that word? The doldrums? All right, let me tell you what it means. Most of you don't know what it means. But the doldrums, the doldrums is the place on the equator, and it's uh, both on the Atlantic and the Pacific, and it's on that line about five degrees north and five degrees south of the, uh, of the equator. 
And on, on north of the equator, the, the winds kind of blow, you know, from south to north and from south of the equator, the winds move from south or from uh, north to south. And so, but the doldrums, if you get caught in this little place in the equator, if you're a sailor, it's where the winds don't blow and sometimes they blow toward each other. So if you're a sailing there and, and the winds fail to blow and you're in this five degrees north of the equator, south of the equator, in the ocean there, there are no winds and you're just sitting there. And many sailors and many, many ships have died. They've just, just dead in the water right there because there is no wind. They need the wind to move from this place of death to this place of life. Guys, I want to tell you, you need the Holy Spirit in your life. You're sitting in a place where, you know, you're just, you've been sitting there. You're dying in the spot that you're in. You need the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come into your life. You need that breath of life to come into you so God can get you from the place that you are to the place that you need to be. All right? All right, stand up. Stand up with me. I hope you got that. Did you? All right. So I want to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you right now. And um, some of you may feel like, man, that's me. That's me. That's me. I'm just dead in the water. I am dead in the water. Lord, I just need the breath of the Holy Spirit to blow up on me. So let's just surrender. Let's just, you know, cleanse our, our hearts and our minds. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us our sins. We ask that you'd wash us in the blood of the Lamb. By the way, that, you know, if you're a believer, you can say that. And if you're not a believer, you can, you want to receive Jesus, you just say that same prayer. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that your son died for me. I know that you were crucified on a cross. I know that you died on a cross. I know that you were dead and placed in a tomb and three days later you were resurrected I am the resurrection and the life the Bible says that this is the record that God has given us eternal life and the life is in his son he who has the son has life he who does not have the son does not have life Romans says that if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and then we see again that confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So if you just simply say this morning, Lord, I've drifted, I'm stagnant, I'm in a place that I don't want to be. My life seems to be in the doldrums and I need the wind of your Holy Spirit to blow in my life that you would give me the will, the desire, and the power. Father, we ask for those two things this morning. Give us the desire and the power of your Holy Spirit to be the men and women of God that you've called us to be. Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit today that when we walk out these doors, we'll be a bold witness and a bold testimony to your kingdom, to the great things that you've done. Psalm 105 says, testify. Shout it to the world. Declare the great things that God has done. I pray that God would put that desire in your heart to shout the great things that God 
has done in your life. Yeah, you may have been in a place of deadness and in the doldrums, in that place where there's no wind blowing. But I believe the Spirit of God is blowing in this place today. The wind of God is blowing in this place today. And He wants to breathe upon you like He breathed upon the, the, the disciples, that breath of life. Remember in the story of Ezekiel's vision, the, the valley of dry bones. All the bones are, bones are there. And God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, Lord, you know. And then there was a rattling in this graveyard, and this bones strewn all over the desert, and the bones began to come together, the rattling of the bones, and then the sinew and the flesh and the muscle uh, all took place. But there was no life in the bones until God goes over and breathes upon these bones, and they become a living soul. That's what you and I need to be today. We need to be a living soul for God. Amen. All right, just want to tell you guys I love you, and I just have great hopes for you. I know that you're going to succeed by the power of God. God's going to give you the desire, the will, and the power to fulfill His will. God bless you guys. If you're going to get baptized, you want to talk to me about baptism, come on up right now. I'm just going to take a couple of minutes of your time. God bless you guys.